What's up, hardcore humans? Welcome to another episode of the Hardcore Humanism Podcast. Today we are talking with Lizzie Hale of the rock band Hailstorm. Hailstorm has been playing hard-hitting rock music for the last 20 years, earning a Grammy in 2012 for hard rock metal performance for their song Love Bites, and snagging another Grammy nomination in 2018 for rock performance for their song Uncomfortable. And now Lizzie is breaking out into television by being a judge on a new music competition show called No Cover and hosting the 2021 She Rock Awards. Now, our goal at Hardcore Humanism is to help you discover your life's purpose and work hard to achieve it. And on the Hardcore Humanism podcast, we talk with outside-the-box thinkers who have broken conventional norms and carved out their own path. And one of the things that we do as a society that absolutely interferes with people living their most authentic life is we marginalize them. We have all these stereotypes and prejudices that create barriers to who we can be and what we can achieve in life. And Lizzie has faced down a stereotype that should have never existed in the first place and definitely should have been long gone by now. The idea that women can't rock. How many women need to go out into the world and completely kick ass for this bias to just die off? So I love the fact that Lizzie has been out there for over two decades fronting a successful rock band, winning Grammy Awards, and hosting shows like the She Rocks Awards that celebrate women in rock. So let's hear what Lizzie has to say. Well, Lizzie, welcome to Hardcore Humanism. Yes, thank you so much for having me. Hardcore yep. Humanism. It's, it's, it's very exciting, actually. Yeah, when you say it, it sounds cool. I appreciate that. You know? <laughs> so something that, that, that you and I talked about a little bit right beforehand was, you know, when I see your body of work, when I see the work that you've done, your music, your advocacy, and even the no cover show that's coming up, a lot of what what kind of stirs up for me is the idea of giving a voice to the voiceless, like somebody who understands what it feels like to be marginalized and wanting to take steps to empower themselves and empower other people. And so I just want to kind of start with that concept. And, you know, have there been times in your life when you have felt voiceless, marginalized, and I don't know if it's disempowered or unempowered. I don't know what the right grammar is there. <laughs> one of those um i make up words all the time i yeah. feel like maybe maybe they're better words in the long run for what, whatever you're thinking um i think that uh i mean to to answer kind of your last question first um absolutely um from you know the time that i was young you know before i discovered music and then um even during you know the span of my 23 year career of being in this band you know since i was 13 um you go through these stages of both empowerment and then feeling like you're out of control or feeling like yeah you're being marginalized or you're you're being put into a certain box that you, that you don't necessarily belong in and um and those are all you know not not only personal journeys but obviously career journeys as well but i feel like on a personal note I don't know when I really decided this, but it was a, I feel like it was a long time ago that if I ever got to a point in whatever platform that was, whether you know, career-wise and what have you, um, if I ever got to the point where people were listening, and for better or worse, by the way, because I'm not a doctor, I'm not a psychologist, you know, <laughs> I'm just me. Um, but I, I feel like I told myself I'm going to put out as much as, of that um, empowerment and as much as that of that positivity out into the world because truly I mean at at my core I I love people and I love everybody that I have a conversation with either online our fan base is amazing um, and they're amazing to each other it's something they kind of started doing all on their own many years ago was just kind of creating this community where if somebody is having a bad day, all of a sudden, all of these people get on and be like, hey, you got this. Do you need to call me? Do you, hey, DM me. I'll give you my number, you know? And it's so beautiful to be a part of that. And it's almost like you're just the, uh, you're just the host of the party, you know? And, and they, uh, I don't know, I get to watch it. And they've done that in turn for me too, where it's like, I want to put out that. If I'm having a good day, if I'm having, 
you know, feeling inspired. I, I, I want to send out that love, even just for no reason at all. And um, this was a couple weeks ago. I woke up to, I guess it was my Twitter feed just kind of blew up or whatever. And um, I, I like it seemed like our entire fan base was like, you know what? You always do this stuff for us. We just want to let you know that if you need us at any point, you know, we're here. And they, they like put up all these memes and stuff. And I thought that was really touching because it's so much more than just me being a rocker in a band and them following my music it's like it just goes so much deeper than that it's like we have an actual relationship so it's a beautiful thing yeah and and you know it's interesting that you talk about this concept of positivity because to some degree in order to have any kind of empathic connection with people who are marginalized you have to understand the dark side of things i mean and i think like when i when i listen to vicious that that was kind of what came out for me because you know obviously like people are saying what doesn't kill you makes you stronger that's the like super positive and what doesn't kill you makes you vicious is positive but with with an edge and so i'm kind of yeah yeah I, you know i i what the, the beauty of of music and specifically um rock music is that it has always stood up for the downtrodden always stood up for the freaks the people that don't necessarily have a place in the at the cool kids table you know and what we've ultimately cultivated in in our you know band community and all of that in our career but also we didn't invent this this is just something that exists and we are very proud of um being proud of your flaws or your so-called flaws being proud that you don't necessarily fit in and i you know and, and that's that's easier said than done you know but the beauty about music is that i'm able to turn these real life experiences and or these stories that i hear from our fans into something that they can take as theirs and a hey this is my anthem this is my new tattoo this is it you know the the wonderful thing about this universal language of music is that it has the power to change your perspective on things and has the power to change your life even if it's a silly song like one of ours you know but anything that brings you some type of uh, i'm not i'm not agreeing with the silly comment by my silence by the way <laughs> well you know we'll deal with the negative self-talk later <laughs> all right. All right. You see, you see, you are a doctor. <laughs> I couldn't let that one slide. We're going to get into some, you know, it's funny. I, I've, I've, uh, I've been going to therapy for about a year and a half um, for the first time in my life. Uh, now it started before uh, the pandemic and uh, it's been one of the most amazing acts of self-love that I think I've done for myself. I have so many, now I have, I have so many more tools in my tool, in my toolbox to like, you know, just think, okay, something's going on. All right. I need the hammer. There it is. All right. We got it. Um, I digress, but it's, uh, I don't know. It's, it's, it's really great to be a part of that thing that is something bigger than yourself, you know? So, um, I, I feel like through music that has been a vehicle, um, at the same time, what I'm discovering just about who I am, you know, and, and the kind of things I want to get out to the world, even beyond music, um, I think I'm learning even more about what my own mission statements are and what my, what I want to put out there, you know, in, in the world, you know, it's like, as far as I know, I got one ride on this thing, you know, <laughs> so I'm going to, I'm going to do what I can. <laughs> you know, it's interesting that you talked about that, that period of time and, and what rock stands for, you know, and like when people who, you know, sort of feel disenfranchised or they don't feel part of the cool kids or whatever. But the thing is, is that a lot of people are faced with that choice. You know, they're faced with, I could, I could you know, either I feel like I'm not a part of things and I want to feel like how I can make use of that, or people are telling me to go right and I'm going to choose to go left. And, and I'm kind of, and that, that, you know, that's what makes the artist right there, you know? And I'm kind of curious from your perspective, if, if you felt like there were points that you can look back to where it was like, this is when I felt marginalized. This is where I felt out of things. And, and this is how I turned that into empowerment instead of, you know, unfortunately what happens to a lot of people and you're a, you know, you're a big mental health advocate, it, it crushes people if they can't make that turn. Uh, absolutely. I, I think that out of habit, um, I've, 
I've almost used a lot of those situations and tried to flip the script and 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 it's and it's all about kind of making that decision before you can talk yourself out of it. Uh, for instance, uh, and I've I've talked about this a little bit before um, to fans, but um, like in the beginning of our career, uh, there there would be kind of without fail, and this is this is not something absolutely dire, but it does crush you like just tiny, tiny little pinpricks over a period of time. Um, or, you know, we started the band. I started playing guitar. We were playing bars. And uh, without fail, I'd, I'd walk into the venue and somebody would be like, oh, my girlfriend never, you know, carries my guitars into the venue. That's really nice. You know, like literally almost every time to the point that I'm like, seriously, like nobody's even. So what I ended up doing instead of just I, I guess moping about it or or continuing to kind of be perturbed about it. Um, I'm like, well, nobody's expecting me to be in the band. I get that. Cool. So I started, uh, this was for, I, this went on for years. I would start the set in the back of the venue instead, like in the crowd, like not on stage. So I would have like the band kind of start or I would just kind of start acapella and make that kind of element okay if no one's going to expect me to be in the band i'm going to use that as an element of surprise and it gave me so much in those moments when you knew that you could put you know kind of put some people off guard and be like no i'm actually not only am i in the band but i'm a powerhouse to be reckoned with you know you give yourself these pep talks and then you in turn get you get so much power out of that and it propels you forward um another example was well you know we're trying to shop to labels you know and and uh we we ended up you know um showcasing for so many different people and uh they all were like hey we love what you do but we don't know what to do with you because the girl rock thing isn't really a thing right now that's not like on trend that was something that was happening years ago and that's not so so of course so before i'm gonna lose my mind I'm going to wait till you're done. And then we're going to talk about that for a second. It's like, it was, I got my run. I got my runaway shirt on just for this occasion. Yeah. That's awesome. That's an, that's a nice shirt. I don't have any runaway shirts. I'm going to have to invest and get on Etsy or something. Um, No, but you know, so like there's those situations and you kind of have to say, well, that's ridiculous. (laughs) You know, like what, what, there's no logic in that. Well, so I'm going to do it anyway. So, we kind of we gave up for a couple of years and we ended up doing about 230 250 dates a year on our own um we were touring regionally um and then uh and then in in 05 we got um uh we got proposed to by Atlantic Records and you know whatever we've been on there for about 15 years but um but it's interesting because the, all those little moments it's like you just have to say well what what is your core what what makes you happy what if it you have to really break it down to why are you doing this are you doing this to get a record label no are you doing this to impress the fucking lo- the sorry about swearing but i don't know if you were cool with it's that totally it's going to happen we're good let it rip <laughs> it's going to happen um but uh to you know impress the local you know club dudes no you're doing this for you so you have to almost create, carve your own path and follow your own compass, so to speak. Yeah. But even getting back to that original concept, I mean, it's like, I mean, look, it is infuriating to me and I, and I'm not even the target of it. I don't know. Like what, what were you sitting there thinking? I, I, again, like kind of just, well, that's stupid. <laughs> you know, like I couldn't wrap my head around that idea. Um, and in the same breath right so uh you know you're trying to get your songs on the radio and there was a period of time where you know we were having difficulty doing that because they already had another girl so like oh no we already we've already got one <laughs> yeah, no, not to quote monty python in this but he says he's already got one okay um you know and so you feel in a lot of ways wanting to prove those people wrong in a sense um you know because you know the other thing that we decided we're like well we're just gonna tore our asses off and someone's gonna have to play our song because <laughs> we're just gonna be out there but it's just uh it's weird because on one hand 
as a as a as a woman in music, I really do enjoy sticking out like a sore thumb in that aspect that ha- that had over the years become like, well, you know, what else can I do? That's one more thing that the boys can't do. You know what? I'm going to wear eight inch high heels on stage too and play guitar and do that. You know, so you start piecing this almost like piecing your armor together almost so that you can not deflect what's happening or what things are being said or whatever, you know, um, and that's just going to happen. That's just part of being a a girl in general. Um, you, you can't please anybody, so you might as well do your thing. Uh, but it's almost like instead of deflecting, you're you're trying to elevate yourself to kind of rise above that and be like, I don't have to I don't have to be on this level of stupidity. <laughs> you know? But, but you know, but you know what the thing that 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 sucks about it so much, and this is, you know, what people don't recognize is horrible about stereotypes even like this this is a stereotype that was not well intended but even sometimes stereotypes that are well intended right it's now it's like instead of now being someone who is just a rocker in a band now you have to orient to something that that you didn't necessarily put forward like it's like i didn't ask you to think of me as a female rocker you did, but now that you did that, and by the way, now that you're getting in my way because of it, now I'm forced to address that. And and yes, there's something that that's wonderful about the fact that you've you've used that, and it's 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 empowering. But it just sucks so bad that that, and it's so stressful. And how many people weren't able to overcome that? Yeah. You know, and it's like, why do we do that? You shouldn't even have to be at that door you know you shouldn't even have to be making that decision like there you know in my experience um there are really you know shitty female players and there's really shitty male players and it's like that's the i you know it's like are is it good or is it not are you able to walk out on stage every night and be consistent are you you know it, it has nothing to do with gender but um you know and and it's funny too because i i think about this a lot i was i was a uh, I was on the cover of Revolver for many, many years as like the hottest chicks in metal and what, you know, and it's like, and I did all of that stuff. And it's funny because it's like, that's no longer, that's no longer a thing, you know, which, um, which is cool because it, it did put all of us into a category that wasn't necessarily about the music. It was just about the fact, you know, that we were girls and you know and depending on how we dressed up was how that was you know viewed as well so um so i do see a lot of things evolving like just just in the past 10 years i mean i used to be i used to be the only girl fronted band at a festival the only one and for a lot the longest time i didn't even really notice you know because i was just I used to, I'm used to hanging out with a bunch of dudes. Um, but now that's just not the case. There's so many, uh, women, not, not just in rock, but all over the, all over the board that, you know, obviously have proven themselves. And there's, there's less of a stigma now than there used to be. You know, um, there are still a lot of people that will be holding on to that for, <laughs> for quite some time. Um, even after we all evolve without them. But, uh, it's, uh, I don't know. I from my vantage point, I'm it's unfortunate that you have to go through those stages and have to kind of find ways around it or ways to survive it. Um but at the same time, you know, looking back on it, I think that a lot of those moments um really did help shape who I am right now. So I'm not I'm not I I've I've learned not to necessarily dwell on a whole lot of the past it's like you you learn from it you it happened but you can't go back and change it you know and um and also i absolutely cannot predict the future there's nothing about what happens tomorrow that i'm gonna say yep that's gonna happen so all i have is now and right now um i feel i feel i feel good about myself i feel good about the risks that i've been taking and i just want to pass that around i think you know you know, it's interesting that you're talking about the future because one of the things that I read, and you can tell me if I read this wrong, but that I don't know if you had struggled with or just you're oriented towards people pleasing. Does that does that sound like a something? And 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 I have I have that is 
right up the alley of stuff that, that, that I've struggled with. And I'm kind of curious from your perspective, you know, cause you're talking about like, uh, I'm just in the now, but like a huge amount of people pleasing is about predicting the future. You know, it's about like, Oh, if I'm really, really nice to this person, they'll, you know, they'll, maybe it's just that they'll like me or they'll, I'll get something or whatever it is, or just, they won't hate me. Um, and I'm kind of curious from your perspective, what was it like when you felt like you were more in that I'm trying to make everybody happy mode and how'd you get out of that? Um, I, I, I probably have dealt with that most of my life. Um, whether that was at home and, uh, you know, like I've, I, I grew up with two very loving parents. Um, but at the same time, there's a, there's an element to the fact that they were also, uh, uh, it, it they they were uh they were young thinking in a lot of the things that they would do, which was which was uh, amazing for like when we started the band like and my brother wanted to build a rotating upside down drum kit and my dad's like yeah we have a tractor axle we like let's do this like let's strap strap him in my brother was 11 i like t- recently told my mom that i'm like isn't the first rule don't shake the baby like we could have totally hurt him <laughs> But we did it. And, you know, even the point where when when we were both, you know, sitting around the kitchen table when we were in middle school and explaining to our parents that we wanted to start this band. And instead of them saying, no, you should wait. We're like, yes, absolutely. And and we'll go with you and we'll support you, that whole thing. But at the same time, I felt like as an older sibling in I don't I don't think anybody put me in this role. I think that I fell into it. Um, But I absolutely was the caretaker for a lot of things, you know, and then, you know, especially as, as I grew older, you know, there comes a point in time where, you know, the parents kind of, you, you even out somewhere and then you become the parent to the parents. And, um, there were a lot of things that I think I took on that I shouldn't have taken on. And, uh, and, and also in my career, um, absolutely there was, there've been a roller coaster ride of of that you know where it's like okay you got to please the label you got to make sure you know you have proper management that they like you what are the fans going to think what's radio going to think what's you know it's like you start and when you start going down that rabbit hole there's no way to actually be creative in it in a great sense because you're not coming from your place of truth um so in a lot in a lot of ways so it it was a it was a couple step process like first you have to kind of zoom out and be like okay what do, but what do i want <laughs> you know just like that simple and dumb of a question just like well what do, what do i want what what do i i want to be happy i want to chase my own happiness what is that you know and um it 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 was painful, but I had to let go of a lot of that thinking. And it wasn't because I don't care. It's not because I don't care what the fans think or what our label thinks or about or about the radio. It's not that I don't care. It's that that is not my place of judgment. You know, that's not where I'm coming from. That's not the angle that you start with. You know, because what I realized too, especially being creative and, and writing songs, is that if you don't like what you're doing and you're doing it for any other reason other than, you know, you like it, um, it's not going to work. Like, I, I, I've seen that happen with some of our stuff, too, and some of our, like, songs in the past and things that we released that we weren't really stoked on. Or maybe we were doing it as kind of a chess piece, you know, with label or whatever was going on. And it always ends up this way that nobody in our fan base cares about that song and we like stressed so much about like okay do we put it on we don't you know i don't even really feel like playing it live but you know like somebody said it was a hit so we should put it on and um and nobody ever cares so so it takes a couple of those like you know what's the definition of insanity (laughs) like doing the same thing over and over again expecting different results um it took a couple of those uh to really just kind of say well you know I, maybe we should just try doing our thing, you know, and and following, chasing our own happiness, and uh, and it's it's um it's amazing to see that turn, and then also you end up opening up yourself and maybe being a little bit more confident in talking honestly to people in general. Like, there's not a whole lot that um 
like that our fans don't know about me or that I won't talk about, um, especially at four in the morning. Um, but, <laughs> but, um, and I know that I'll make mistakes and I know that I will, you know, as far as like in a role model sense, like I know that there'll be, you know, times or like maybe I said something that I shouldn't have said or gave somebody the wrong piece of advice or whatever it is. Um, but at least there's comfort in knowing that it's just me out there and it's unapologetically me. And the more honest that I can be with myself, the more honest I can be with other people. And then I feel like that's just a greater example than if you're trying to like be something you're not and try to have this facade over you where you're like, okay, I'm this like perfect person over here. <laughs> Everybody be like me. Like that's not, that's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting. Cause I, I remember when it happened for me, I was, you know, I, like I put all this effort into people pleasing. I was watching the show. It was when I was like kind of in the young adulthood phase, as opposed to the old adulthood phase that I'm in now. It's like where I was just watching the show and there was this person like heaving crying because they, they lost someone and they were like, it was so sad. And I was just like numb. I was like, like nothing's happening here. I was like, wait a minute. Like why, why am I not connecting at all to this concept? And I realized I was like, I put so much effort into making sure that either people liked me or that the relationships were good or that I had friends or Loved all this kind of stuff, but I I had like, I had forgotten the part about actually connecting to any of it, you know, like, and and then all of a sudden I was like, oh man, like, I, like, what did I, what did I do? Like, I worked all this time to get myself into this like sort of hole where it's like, yeah, like I, I I built this thing that I, that I really love. and, And most of those things exist today, but I wasn't connected to it in any way. And that was for me when I realized like, I, I, I got to at least pay a little bit of attention to what I actually want in the world, you know? Well, and, and self self love doesn't mean being selfish. And I think that took, that took me a second to figure that out too, because I would feel guilty. Like we would like, we, for example, we would get off tour. We'd be on a 30 day tour or something. We'd have like eight days or something in between. And, uh, and I would want to work and I would want to do something or like, like, Hey, let's, let's write or whatever. And, I finally like I would kind of be I would I would take a day and I'd be like, you know what, I'm going to go see a movie I'm going to do it. And I would feel guilty the whole time because I'm like, well, I'm not doing something to propel this forward. And, um, and really realizing that the the stepping away is just as important as the pushing forward. And it's funny, you know, you were saying about kind of being numb to certain things too. And, you know, we were talking about, you know, being unapologetic, you know, unapologetic yourself and, and all of that. But that doesn't mean, well, screw the world. It's, it just becomes less about, less about the things that don't matter and more about the things that do. And it's almost like a listing process, you know, or it's like you almost have to prioritize. And, and, and I don't know. Also, I don't know. I I feel I feel like the connectiveness like by like like there's always going to be someone that's going to judge you, right? There's always going to be someone like I I I don't necessarily play, pay any mind to the people that love me or hate me because you can do either way. That's your choice. You don't have to listen to my music. You can trash me online. That's fine by me. I don't necessarily give that you know, th- that's not important in my life. You know, um so you might as well be yourself. But then like what you were saying, part of who I am is that connectivity. So, but you have to say, well, what really matters? You know, so to, for me, putting that stuff out there and putting my stories out there or or reaching out in these other ways, like, you know, with some of these, you know, small projects that I've been doing during this pandemic, because, I, you know, I would have never really had the time to do any of these things. So now I'm looking outside of myself and you're reaching out in a different way. And it's not necessarily that you're being an example. You're just being a part of it in the way that you feel is best for you. If that makes sense. Yeah. And it's, you know, the thing that I, I definitely tell myself and I tell people with whom I work is that like, like the only the only thing that you really have to offer the world that's original is you. 
I mean, there's, there's, there's no, there's nothing else that, that you're going to do other than like sort of be authentically you that is going to contribute anything original. And, and so, you know, one of the things that, that I always thought about, and I try to say this to people is that, you know, like, like when you ask someone to go hang out and if they say yes, it's not just about the hanging out. There's like a whole set of assumptions there. Like I'm assuming that you are of your own free will and enthusiasm about our relationship, uh, authentically wanting to connect with me. And if you're not, if you're doing it because you're people pleasing and you're worried about hurting my feelings, that's, that's nice. And it's, it's always nice to some degree to be around people like that for a little bit, but it's like, but that now we're not having the same now, now we're not having what I originally thought we were having. Like now we're not having this cool connection we're having like a bullying episode. Oh yeah. And that was when I started thinking like, well, I don't want to do that to people. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to start like saying yes to people just because I'm afraid, even though that, that would happen a lot. Like I would go, you know, to all lengths. Yeah. Dude, I, I completely relate to that too. Um, you know, cause I have, I feel like I have equal parts, uh, people that are, genuine in in my life and then i also have a, a lot of yes people in my life that aren't necessarily going to give me the truth they're going to try to give me what i want to hear and that's frustrating um especially when you realize that's happening because you don't want that like i don't want that i want someone to be honest with me and tell me if i have a booger in my nose you know like i don't don't, don't it's the booger that. test i mean it's it's got it you got to be able to talk about the boogers is what we're saying here it's not all about the benjamins it's all about the boogers yes you've been lied to also green, but <laughs> sometimes different colors. <laughs> oh, but yeah, you know. I lost track now. <laughs> green green boogers has now brought us into a whole different part of the conversation. But it is fairly true. And then and then I have I do have these amazing people in my life that are so genuine and golden humans and just there's no I don't, they're just good, solid people. And I feel like, especially during this whole time that we're going through right now, I've really gotten to see that too. I've really gotten to just from that vantage point where you're, we're, and we're all facing that now. We all have to kind of look at ourselves in the mirror and, and you know, in a different way, you know, during this time. And, and I, I think it's a, uh, I, I think it's a beautiful thing in the majority of that of that concept because what I like about it is that it's forcing me to look outside of myself. Like, like who am I without touring 250 dates a year? It's been, it's been over 20 years since the last time that I went this long without a live gig in front of an audience. Um, that's just nuts to me. Um, but like, but who am I without that? Um, who am I without, uh, my bandmates hanging out all the time. Who am I without the travel? Who am I without all of those little anchors that became such a huge part of my life? And those things that you could almost absolutely depend on are no longer there. So what are you going to do with that? You know, like, and what are you going to do? Are you going to keep, keep your eyes forward and be, be hopeful? Are you going to retreat? Are you going to um, give in to depression and, and spiral out on some hopelessness that you can't like oh, some like again what you were saying with assumptions like I'm just going to assume that everything is going to be terrible and I don't know who I am anymore you know are you going to do that or are you going to start you know putting a schedule together for yourself um, start reaching out to people um, start saying yes to adventure before you can talk yourself out of it which has been <laughs> mainly my my go-to um uh, yeah, it's so, so when, um, so I, when I was doing that panel for the recording Academy, uh, with tour stopped, I, I saw it was, you know, me and obviously three of my other peers and it was crazy to see all three of them. And, and then myself include all four of us had a completely different approach 
to what was going on in our lives. Like some people absolutely felt lonely. Somebody just wanted to, you know, s- screw things up and he's, I want to break the bed and I want to drink everything, you know, that I see in sight, you know. And then, they, then, then there's another who's just like, I'm just hanging out here and I'm going to get stoned and whatever. And then there's me where I'm just like, I need activities, you know. So everybody deals with it in their own way. Um, and we can all encourage each other to like balance that out. But yeah, it's just, it's crazy nowadays, but I'm trying to think of it like more of a gift and less of a curse. <laughs> so speaking of a gift, uh, right in between when we set this up, the announcement came out for no cover. Oh yeah. Um, so how's that for a transition? The, yeah, I, and I like it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I got to work on that, but let's talk about that because it, it's, it's interesting. What I, what I love about the the concept is and and look i i all these shows like the voice and america all these different things that focus on covers i think are wonderful to a certain extent because i mean you know there are uh i mean look i you know i liked fuel i was pretty impressed when daughtry like you know did hemorrhage i, I was like that's that's pretty cool man and like i have something that i can compare this was cool. And now you're doing it cool. So like, maybe you're cool. I think that's, that's, I like that, but this is different because from my understanding, you're going to have to tell me more about it, but the idea that, that your original songs would actually be part of a show like that with the different people who are watching, right? Like your different co-hosts, that's a cool thing. I think to sort of animate the underground at a time like this. I completely agree. And, and, you know, that's, the, I think the main reason why I'm on board because, um, with you know with with our band we've never been anti cover we've always had something in there even on the in the local days you know it's like you use that as a weapon because if you play somebody's favorite heart song and you can kill it they're maybe going to listen to your original that's coming up next you know so yeah all all for it and I grew up you know watching off and on you know the American Idol thing and. And uh, and the voice thing and, and all of that. And um, what I love about this, though, is that it's just an added layer. So, like, if you think about it from our perspective as as the judges, we're going to be hearing these songs for the first time, you know, like 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 it's new music Friday and there's these new bands and we're going to be listening to it and we're going to be judging, you know, not just the performance of the song, not just the talent of the band, but the quality of the song. Is there a chorus? Is there, it was there a moment that, that made you go, Oh yeah, cool. You know, it's like, there's all these. And I know that between myself and then, you know, my three other um, co-judges, they, uh, you know, we're all coming from different areas of this world and we all are going to have different opinions on what that means, you know? So what I, and I love that too, because what, what I, what I'm looking forward to, I think the most um, as well, because some of our responsibilities are not only going to be judging people's songs, but, um, but giving them that advice is in like, so what happens when, you know, the guitar player's rig goes down and you have to stall for time. How are you going to talk to an audience? Can you look an audience in the eye? Like what, you know, how, how about what you're wearing? You know, it's like that, that those, those little things, you know, how, do, how are you going to keep your stamina up if you're, you know, on tour for, you know, 30 days straight, whatever. Yeah. Like, how are you going to be doing that? So considering all four of us and what, we've done in our own lives um we have this amazing opportunity to to pass that on and pass those little tips and tricks and whatever and so no matter what happens with the bands that either win or get kicked off or whatever they're going to be taking something with them either way to help propel them forward and so that's that's what i'm excited about now i couldn't tell from the promo who it was it is it is it you alice cooper gavin rossdale and and it, are those the judges? I couldn't tell who were the judges and who were the guests. Ju- like who are the who are the four people that you're referring so, to? Or, yeah, it's um, it's a uh, I I uh, it's uh, Tosin. Um, I can never pronounce his his last name correctly. Um, uh, there's also Bishop Briggs. 
um, Gavin Rosdale and then Alice Cooper. So it's, it's kind of interesting. We have the indie side of it and there's the, there's the classic side of it. There's the hard rock side of it. There's the, you know, the grunge side of it. It's, it's, it's going to be really, it's going to be interesting conversations, especially. And I know, I know Alice pretty well. Um, he's going to be hilarious. I know that. Um, but then, uh, uh, but then, you know, I've, I've met Gavin in passing once at a festival. I doubt he'll <laughs> remember that. Um, so it'll be fun to just kind of make these new friends. I've been probably about three degrees from Bishop Briggs for a couple of years now. We know of each other, but yeah, you know, you know, it's so funny now in retrospect. And I, I you might have at, when we had like, we, I just talked to Gavin. The whole conversation was about judgment. and if i had known that that he was going to be doing the show i could have asked him like okay so like how are you how are you going to take this on uh he's a good dude he's like he's he's i don't know you talk about positivity i think you'll you'll he's got a lot of that like beaming out of him um for sure but it's you know it's it's interesting because i when i hear when i heard something like that i was like you know just just knowing that there are all these people who have made it, you know, and yes, they're coming from different worlds, but there's a, but there's a similarity in the sense that everybody has had to go through pretty much the same grueling process that it takes to get to rock stardom. Mm-hmm. And, and just the idea, I think on a, on a societal level of people watching, okay, now, I mean, everybody knows that there are people who like reach back and help other people, you know, like the people who open for them, I mean, they know it happens, but seeing it, I think just right you know, week after week is something that I think is, it's a very good thing for people to see, you know? I think so too. And I, I think, I, I think the process and the fact that and this is what I love about, um, the, you know, everybody on the no cover team, um, is that they wanted to have actual musicians and actual people that have been doing it from the ground up and not just like, Hey, you know, I, I blew up on TikTok and now I'm a thing, you know, like, because I think that that is important for us not to be label execs and us not to be someone that, you know, that maybe has experience in it, but didn't do it firsthand. And so, and like, you know, our first gigs were bowling alleys and coffee houses where the role we had to be quieter than the cappuccino machine. You know, it's like we played a funeral once, like the mall gigs, uh, you know. Whoa, 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 whoa. Let's, uh, yeah, but I, let's, I, let's go back. Let's go back to that. So <laughs> it wasn't anybody. It feels like, it feels like wedding crashers. It's like you, 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 you crashed a, you crashed a funeral. Wait, tell me, tell me about playing. I'm now, uh, by the way, I'm now learning like what people actually pay attention to. Like I, when I interviewed Scott Ian, we had this, like his, his work ethic is like amazing. I was I oh, just yeah. like, I just want to hear about that. And, and the only thing that, that got any press was the fact that he said that, oh, I don't know if anthrax is coming back until 2022. And then all of a sudden, like, and so I, at the, at the risk of, at the risk of diverting from like the main focus of what we've been talking about. It might be interesting to talk about you playing a funeral just for that purpose. Because the hustle is real. Um, so we got a call. We didn't know the deceased or any of the families. This was not a people that we knew. Um, but we knew a there was a lady that uh, she she part-time, she took pictures for a uh, a magazine called Pennsylvania Musician, uh, just central in, a, in the central PA area. And on her, her other side job was she worked at a funeral home, just like, arranging flowers doing that kind of thing um doing some desk work and anyway so there was this family that came in i was his wife and uh and her husband had just died and she wanted a live act to sing a couple of his favorite songs at the at the viewing or whatever thankfully it was a closed casket but they did put us right in front of the casket um we had but first we had to audition so and but anyway the the reason the reason we took it is because it was 50 bucks a song and at that point we're like that's a great deal uh, sure what song it was like jim croce and there was brian adams and something else maybe i think it may be a fleet which which brian adams song was it was it heaven uh, i assume my, my buddy mike Ayers just wrote a book on um on songs to the last song you know last song that you want to hear you know, before you die. And I feel like now, like I got this whole thing going in my head of like, who, who would you want to play at your funeral? I know, right. That would be awesome. No, I mean, there would have to leave some black Sabbath in there. I feel like, because why not black Sabbath? Because why not? Why not? Yeah. Yeah. 
scare some family members i'm sure um <laughs> some people yeah that I-, I mean like right like it's like it's like we haven't learned anything about sexism in 50 years like we certainly haven't learned anything from war pigs like you know you know yeah. that, that that song doesn't seem to have like you know yeah that's kind of gotten in anybody's like consciousness quite that. enough so so you're okay so you're you go and you play is it acoustic is it like is it plugged in it's it's it was a it was acoustic which thankfully um because it's like what are you gonna do we can't be like let's hear it for bob you know like there's no it's a bummer of a gig <laughs> no pun intended you know and and it was kind of it was nerve-wracking because we 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 accepted it and then we had to go the next morning and audition basically with the deceased wife and the poor thing was just like bawling and she's like that'll do that'll be fine like okay like so what time it's i think it was like around noon or something and um and we do so so we do it and they they set us up in front of the casket and we play through a song at at least at this point in time in our local career we were at least used to like somebody clapping anybody clapping after the song nobody claps everybody's bawling Every, like for some reason like everyone thought it would be like disrespectful to clap for the talent well yeah it's like right yeah because like it's it's like and and to a certain degree like when i think about those kinds of like moments I, yeah it's, it's almost better if nobody claps because if yeah. you're clapping maybe you, you didn't get into the uh wait is, is jim croce time in a bottle yeah that might have been it yeah, if you say if you guys were singing that, I, I don't think I would clap at the end of that. I think I'd just be sitting there like just reflecting. Yeah. So yeah. It, it was very strange for us. Um, but but it's it's one of those things that I'll never forget because it was like one of those those gigs were like, well, you know, if if we play three songs, that's you know, 150 bucks and we could get some pizza and maybe some beer, you know, like it's like that's that was like the motivation at that that point. And then like, why not? And um and you know, and we we did a lot of things. We did like pool parties and stuff like that. Way way beyond when we should have stopped doing those. And you know, um, but really, it was just playing everywhere and anywhere they let you play, and uh, and just keep trying to level up. It's funny because some of the first bar gigs that we ever did um, were because there was some guy that saw us in a bowling alley in the corner and was like, you know what? do you want to come and play happy hour? Like, and at this point in time, I, th- I was, I think we were, I was about 15. So we couldn't necessarily go to the bar, but we had to like stay in a little section kind of thing. But like, they gave us a chance and like, you, you have all of these opportunities to just prove yourself and improve yourself, you know? And, uh, and I, I completely fell in love with the chase of that. So I'm, I'm hoping a lot of these people on this show are just as hungry and not just there for a quick fix, you know? Right, I'm gonna move. I'm gonna move to the chase in a moment. But I honestly, like, I my my mind is buzzing about that because can I tell you, as as yeah. as morbid as it sounds, like I would love to know that my favorite band were playing my favorite songs at my funeral. Like, I I hate to say it because it's like I know it's it's I know it's kind of a, a morbid topic, but like I I think it would make me feel really good, like knowing that that would happen. Like, I kind of it's almost it's got like a it's not quite like Viking funeral esque, but it's it's it just feels like yeah, like music was an important part of my life. I would love it if the people who survived me like got a chance to kind of like sit there with like me and the music that I love. I I, I feel like that would be a very powerful experience, and just knowing that that was going to happen, I, I I don't know, I don't know what this says about me, but like that would make me happy. Yeah, and that you could you could leave knowing. That there's going to be a party and and they're going to play. I, I so I, I've been writing this song, um, and uh, uh, called Legacy for a while, and and it's a uh, it's a it's 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 kind of a ballad. But I decided this is about a year ago or something that I wanted to write my own funeral song. Like I wanted to write just kind of a it not necessarily a goodbye letter, but like there is a part in it you know, where you're talking about, where I'm talking about, you know, will, will you raise a glass to the good times and all of the moments that we had? And will you play all of my favorite songs from the first, you know, and all of those things where it, cause those are the things that you want. And you, you ask yourself, cause like, there's no way to know when we die, how people are going to remember us. Um, who's, you know, who's, suddenly like your enemies are your best friends was like, Oh, I knew them. What, you know, it's like, Oh dude, you never talked to me in life. You know, like nobody knows. Um, you know, but I, I think that the bottom line 
and if we're talking about funeral people, like I, I hope that that definitely happens at my funeral too. I hope that it's all of my friends and they play some of my favorite songs. And I hope that they know, I think at the end, at the, at the, the bottom line, I hope that they know at the end how much those people meant to me. You know, I hope they know that. And it's, and I think that in, in my aspect of, of trying to write a funeral song <laughs> is, is more like me saying like, what, you know, I, 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 I hope you know that, you know, and I hope all of you know that. I hope that there was forgiveness in that. And then I hope that you know that I loved you, even if, you know, we never got to say goodbye. I don't know. Those, those little things that go through your head. Well, in, in what is no doubt another awkward transition, like, and, and when you get to those, getting back to like the no cover thing and, you know, when, when people think about, okay, like what, what am I going to remember? at that point in my life? Like, what am I going to remember as, as I'm looking back? And I do think that people don't realize, like you're talking about, you know, 250 shows, whatever I, and you could tell me if I'm wrong about this, but I think that some of the best bonding comes around those situations, you know? And, 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 you know, yes, like people look at you guys now and they're like, I mean, like Alice Cooper, it's like, or Gavin, I mean, the thing I, <laughs> I felt badly because I said, you know, one of the things that was, it was, it was always very hard watching how the press treated Gavin because, and I said this to him and it was, it was tongue in cheek, but I think there was some truth to it because, you know, he was so good looking that it's like hard to conceptualize that this guy would be in any anguish. I mean, everyone's looking at him being like, well, if I looked like that, I wouldn't be depressed for like a minute, you know? And so there was this, like, I think that he really like had to break through in that way a lot, but I think that to a large extent, like, you know, he, you know, all, all of you guys like went through so many things and those like, and like when you're looking at something like no cover, it's like, remember that like those experiences that you have before it gets big are probably going to be the ones where, where those are going to be the people at your funeral. Like oh. those are going to be the ones, you know? Wait, as, as bands, like people always say, we, we never talk about when things were going smoothly. Every time that we all, the four of us sit, sit down together. And by the way, you know, the, the bandmate thing and the bond that you have with these people, these guys know me better than my own family does. You know, these guys have, have seen my darkest times, my brightest and everything in between. And we've, and it's always been the four of us against the world, you know, from the, the beginning of it all. And, and, uh, and so, um, absolutely like and we just whenever we sit down and have a beer together it's like we're always talking about that time we broke down in Bucksnort, tennessee and the the time that you know oh remember that time that that uh we had to pull over because you know josh had to throw up because we had you know too many drinks with the weird guy that owns the cat club in new york city like those those little those moments are what make you who you are. And those are those bonding moments, those, those hard times that are, or, Hey, remember when, you know, that we almost didn't make it to that gig because our trailer fell off. You know, there's like, there's so many different moments. Um, and it makes you appreciate those beautiful moments. So like when, when we ended up winning our Grammy, uh, we did not expect to win at all. And we were probably should have won a prize for most genuinely shocked band to win a Grammy, that would have been a better title. Um, but, uh, but we, we, after the, that night ended and we were all just hanging out in the hotel room or whatever, we literally, that's what we started talking about. We started talking about all the things that went wrong and all, or supposedly went wrong. And, um, and it was just such a sense of pride because I, I remember us discussing like, okay, so yeah, we were probably crazy or, you know, or out of our heads to try to make this work, but we weren't stupid. We still, we got somewhere and it was a very personal triumph, you know, in, in our end. Um, did you watch the, have you watched that, the history of the Eagles? And I've, yeah, I, 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 I love that. I, um, I felt bad like watching it because when, when Don Felder died, I, like, I, I wasn't really aware of him until that. And then as soon as I became aware of him, like he died and like Glenn Fry died. I was like, Oh man, like I just, I just got into all you guys. I know, right. I just yeah. fell in love with all of you. Uh, well, Joe Walsh says something at the beginning uh, to that same extent where is, you know, when you're in it, it just feels like 
chaos. You're just throwing stuff against the wall. You're just seeing what works and what doesn't. And you don't know where you're going, but you just got to keep doing it. And he said, you know, then you look back and it seems like it was a finely crafted novel, like all of those things and those little connections. So I think that there's value. Um, there's value in failure that, you know, you take all of those lessons to the next step. And it's like, I, I think about that a lot now. Um, even internally with songwriting. Um, I dare to suck all the time. I have no problem working for five hours on a song just to be like, nope. <laughs> I'll, I, I learned something, I'm sure. I'm not quite sure what I learned, but hopefully it works itself into the next project. So, yeah, I don't know. Well, this has been fun. Any 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 final thoughts? Anything that we missed? I mean, I think we we missed a lot, actually, but... Um, we didn't get to any mental health advocacy or any of that stuff, but well, in a lot of save ways, that for another time. In a lot of ways, I, I think that you know the entirety of our conversation is kind of just that because we were having without without addressing like this is what we're talking about now. We're you know all of these things work themselves into your psyche, and I think that um, I don't one you know if if I can say anything to anybody struggling right now it's i i think that and i know it's been harped on but it's truly good to know that we're not alone in all of these feelings and we're all going through the same thing and a lot of people right now that that didn't used to have these feelings of loneliness or whatever because there was always some outlet there was always some well i'm feeling bummed i'm gonna go out to the bar well i'm feeling bummed i'm gonna go see somebody or whatever you can't do any of those things and when before you give in to that kind of shroud and that rabbit hole um understanding that no matter who we are like what you just said about gavin myself um, my neighbor, you know, my, my neighbor's kid, you know, like it doesn't, this, this, uh, this time in our lives does not discriminate and we're all going through the same things and, and, uh, and all we can try to do is help each other in the smallest way, you know, whatever you can do. So the, the fact that you're even here talking to me and talking about all this is we're doing some kind of small part. Well, no, listen, I, I appreciate it. I mean, you know, when, somebody like yourself steps up, it, it means more, you know, because obviously number one, you know, people who connect to the music are naturally going to connect to you more, but also like, you know, people will, will look at, at someone in your position and just sort of be like, Oh, like they could never struggle with anything. They wouldn't understand. And just knowing that somebody in that position who's achieved all that you have, like is willing to kind of take a step and sort of be like, Hey, you know, it, this I, I've been through this, like, you know, hang in there. It's the, it's look It sometimes that's sometimes that's the difference, you know, not always like, you know, obviously we lose, you know, we lose people like you're, you know, after Jill Janice and like you, you did, you started doing horns up and it's, it doesn't, it's not everybody, you know, not everybody gets saved, but, but a lot of people do. And so I'm very appreciative of you stepping up because um, I know from where I sit and the people I work with, that those are the things that get in people's heads, you know, just a little bit, just enough to get to the next day, which is, you know, which is a big deal. And say, so, you know, baby steps. And that's the, that's the beautiful thing about connection. And if you can reach out, do, and, and you definitely are. And, and I, I think you are so incredibly delightful by the way. And I'm not, Oh, talking. thank you. Um, this has been a really fun conversation. I hope uh, as, as you go ahead, you'll come back on and we'll get a chance oh, to talk again. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, darling. You have a yeah. good day, okay? You too. <laughs> so there you have it. Lizzie Hale of Hailstorm talking about how she understands and overcomes marginalization in her life. There is so much we can take away from the conversation with Lizzie. But here's the main thing. We need to fight the prejudice and stereotyping that leads to marginalization on at least three fronts. First, we have to try and catch ourselves if we are making judgments that might interfere with our own progress. Just because the world has opinions about what we can or can't do doesn't mean we need to buy into that. Look to people you admire who have done great things, and chances are they've challenged stereotypes in their life. And draw strength from them that you can do it too. 
Second, remember, there is nothing that is worth achieving that comes easily. Think about Lizzie's story of taking any gig, even playing funerals, to keep things going and move ahead as a band. When things get tough is when that internalized marginalization can kick in and start telling us that we can't do something. But we have to keep focused and keep working. Don't buy into the stereotypes and marginalization. And finally, listen, it's not my place to tell you to stand up for injustice. Just being someone who goes for their dreams in the face of marginalization is already doing a great deal to fight stereotypes. But even if you just reach out to one person who you see is struggling with feeling marginalized or share your story, it can be really inspiring for others. Because every time someone breaks a stereotype and succeeds despite being marginalized, it's just another step in helping more people pursue their purpose and live an authentic life. I want to thank my wife and Hardcore Humanism co-founder, Island Booman, for producing this podcast, and my brothers in Odd Zero for letting us use Odd Zero music. If you like what you hear in the podcast, subscribe on your favorite app, give us a rating, and write a review. And if you'd like to take the next step and make change in your life, check out the Hardcore Humanism Therapy and Coaching Program at HardcoreHumanism.com. So get at it, Hardcore Humans. See you next time.